good? How many is ready for the Word of God? Amen? Hallelujah. Let me just pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for everyone who is here, everyone who is listening online or listening in the future. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you give us ears to hear what your spirit has to say. Challenge us, God. Grow us. Ignite us with the fire of your word. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Well, um, I'm very excited about this season. Well, actually, before I... Yeah, no, okay. I'm very excited about this season of our church, and I believe that God is taking this church into a season of really reach, reaching the harvest for Jesus. I believe that God is breaking down the four walls of our church and that we're going to begin to see a precious move of God. Amen. And what I'm preparing our church for is to get you ready for the part that God wants you to play in this end time revival. Amen. And so my message this morning is stop going to church. How many saw the flyer online? You're like, what is she teaching about? Y'all knew I had a twist on it, I'm sure. But I want to talk to you this morning about stop going to church. One day I was out, it was a couple years ago, I was out shopping and I ran into this lady and she's like, Pastor Barb. And I didn't remember who she was or remembered her face. She's like, oh my gosh, I go to your church. I love your church so much. She said, I got so touched when I was there and it was so awesome. I love going to your church. And I'm like, man, that's so awesome to actually run into somebody in the public and they know me and they know they come to our church. And I'm like, I didn't remember her. So I said, oh my gosh, um, when was the last time you were there? Because I haven't seen you for a while. And she said, well, it's been a little while since I've been there. And I said, well, that's okay. Things happen. You know, they come and go. And, you know, there's challenges that happen. I said, when was the last time that you were at the church? And she said, well, actually it was like last Easter I was at church. And so as she was talking to me, I realized that my conversation with her probably needed to be a little different than what it was going to be. And immediately as we started talking, she started sharing her real heart with me. You know, we can get excited about going to church, amen, but underlying there's a lot of issues that they're facing. And so she began to really pour out to me that she's been struggling with her marriage and that her children have been going through things and finances and all of this just began to come out of her heart. And I realized at that moment that there's so many people that are going to church and they're not being the church. And God has called us, especially in this time of this end time revival, that God is moving in a very special way. He's calling us to lose the mentality of just going to church. Because if you just have the mentality of going to church, you're going to still have problems. You're still going to struggle. You're still going to go through trials. And I want to teach you, I feel accountable as your pastor, to teach you the importance of why we have the local church and what part that you are to play in it. Amen. Coming to church is not just like picking to go to a good movie. Going, I'm going to go to this good restaurant. I'm going to go to this church. No, your church has to become a place where you are planted in the house of the Lord. And I want to break that down for you today so that my prayer is that you have a revelation of the importance of the body of Christ. That God, this is God's church, amen? This is God's bride. His church, the corporate church is his bride. And he's calling his bride together in these end times. And he's not calling us just to look like a good church you know, I don't want to just have a church that looks like we have good numbers and looks like we have success. I want to have a church that's making a difference in the world, making a difference in the community, seeing lives changed around us. Amen. God's highest calling for us as a people was never to go to church, never to go to a building, never a destination. It was always to be the church of God. If you study out Mark 16, it says, go. Jesus' first assignment was said, go into all the world and preach the good news. But then it goes on to say, to every living creature. See, the church isn't a place of destination. God wants us to be empowered. God wants us to grow. God wants us to mature. And then as we are in that position, we're to turn and we're to go into a lost and dying world. Amen. God has called you to win the lost. God has called you to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. God has called you to bring the words of encouragement to someone's life. God 
has called you to cast out demons. Come on, somebody. God has called the church to be the church. And we've gotten religious and we've put us in these cute little four walls. And we have cute little praise and worship. And then the cute little pastor gets up and preaches a word. And then we all go home feeling really good. Hallelujah. But we never see the fruit of what God's called us to look like as the church. We never see what God wants us to see. We're still discouraged. We're still depressed. We're still broken down when God wants the church to be flourishing. Amen. God has called the church us to be conformed into the image of Christ Jesus. So let's look at Psalms 92, verses 12 through 15 this morning. And it says this. This is the psalmist David. The righteous will flourish. Everybody say flourish. The righteous is called to flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of, God, of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. Hallelujah. That's the fountain of youth right there, everybody. Who needs Botox? Amen. I just need Jesus. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming, the Lord is upright. He is my rock. This is what the church of America is supposed to look like. Let's go back to that word flourish. God says the righteous will flourish. This is a great imagery of when you are planted in God's house, what you should look like. How many know the word flourish isn't something we normally use in our vocabulary? It's, it's a very rare word. But God is saying, I want this imagery to be so clear of what the church is supposed to look like, what your personal life is supposed to look like. And that word flourish means this. It means to be growing spiritually. It means to be strong, to have great faith, to be thriving, to be blessed, to succeed, to grow, to prosper. How many know the Lord wants you to be blessed in your life? He wants you to be flourishing. He wants your heart's desires to come to pass. You should be growing more mature than you were last year. You should be making better choices than you did last year. You shouldn't have the same sin nature that you had last year. Come on, somebody. And that's the kind of Christian that is flourishing in the house of the Lord. And he compared it to two trees. One was a palm tree and the other was a cedar. And if you study out the cedar, the cedar is a strong, durable wood. King Solomon built his temple out of cedar because they wanted it to last for centuries. See, when you are flourishing in God, your faith, your revelation is meant to go to your children's children's children, the third and fourth generations, amen. But when we aren't planted in God's house and we're just going to church, we will never flourish with revelation that your children will pick up and live and be prosperous in. And then their children will live and be prosperous in. My dad was a first-generation Christian, and when he got saved, he got planted in the house of the Lord, amen. And he got, we got the revelation that that church is a priority, and now his children are serving God. His children's children are serving God, and now his great-great-great-grandchild going to serve God. Why? Because one man learned to be planted in the house of the Lord and not just go to church. Amen? So a cedar, it, it was durable. It was attractive, and it had a pleasant aroma. Anybody ever owned a, uh, a cedar chest? in your life, or a hope chest. How many girls ever had a hope chest? And then the Christians took it over and said, a hope in the Lord chest. Maybe that's dated. None of you had that. Anyway, a cedar chest, it was durable and it smelled good. See, when you are planted in God, you look good to the world. You're attractive. People want to be drawn to you. Not that your life is perfect, not that you don't mis make mistakes, but when God is being the source of your life, you're now an example to the world. And the world goes, I want to have what you have. That's when the world says, what must I do to be saved? I know you ain't perfect, man, but there's something about you that is shining this glory of God. There's this joy you got when we have the same boss, and you know he's crazy, but you don't let it bother you. What's going on in you that's different than what's going on in me? Well, listen, I've got Jesus throwing, flowing through my blood veins, amen? I've got his will flowing through my life. Then the second thing he compared it to was a palm tree. And a palm tree in the old scriptures were, to, uh, were symbols of victory, and of triumph when they had the Olympics back in the Roman days in the Corinthian church when there was a victory they'd give them a palm tree and they would wave that palm tree in victory when Jesus came in his triumphant entry that day into Jerusalem what did they do they threw down the the palm trees right God wants us to have victory in our life God wants you to have triumph in your life a person that flourishes walks in that victorious place amen 
both of those trees were evergreen trees, and evergreen trees are always thriving. God has called his church to, his church to thrive. They're always, listen, the evergreen tree produces life year-round. See, God wants you to produce life year-round. But what happens when we just go to church and we miss months, we miss weeks, and we get away from the house of God, then we're out there for the enemy to wreak havoc in our life. And we're not finding ourselves planted where our roots can go down deep. If you go back to verse 13 of that verse that we're studying, it says this. You're going to flourish, but it says in verse 13, how do I flourish? Who flourishes? It says those who are planted in the house of the Lord. Not just coming to church, but letting your roots go down deep. Getting a relationship with people in the church. Finding a community. Getting a hold of the vision and the missions of the church and running with it. Finding a place to serve, amen. Finding a place, whatever capability you have to give in the church, you want to give. Can you pray for someone? Can you give to someone? When you do those things, you're letting your roots go down deep and you're becoming planted in the church and not just a consumer of the church. I'm going to unveil some things today, not for guilt and condemnation, but to ignite the purpose of the church, to ignite the purpose of why we are in the kingdom of God today. Amen. So when you are planted in God's house and you are flourishing in the courts of our God, when somebody says, how are you? You're able to just say, what? I'm flourishing. I'm growing. I'm blessed. Thank you, Jesus. I am strong. My faith is strong. I'm not giving up. I'm not growing weary. I don't know what's going on in my life, but I know my God is able. I have the joy of the Lord that is my strength. I don't know why I got this joy, but I know it's because the word says when I'm planted, when my roots are deep in the kingdom of God through his flow, I flourish in my life. I may still have the same problems of the world, but I don't respond the same way because I am flourishing. I'm thriving. I'm full of faith. I'm full of joy because I know my God is making a way where there seems to be no way. Amen. And when you are planted, you're connecting. You're emotionally engaging. You're buying into the house of God. You're, you're buying into and owning the vision of the house of God. And when you do that, you are spiritually fulfilled. There's a lot of things we can do in life, and there's many pleasures in the world, and I've done many, but there's no greater purpose and joy in life when you are doing something for the kingdom of God, when you are sharing your faith with someone and leading somebody to Jesus, when you are giving a word of encouragement and a prophetic word or a word of knowledge, when you're laying on of hands and you're releasing healing into their bodies and they're healed, that is the flourishing that God has called us to live. And some of you may be here this morning and you may feel like, well, I don't feel spiritual and I don't feel like I know enough. None of that matters. You're a vessel for the spirit of God to work through. My little, my goddaughter, she'll be 13 this month, and uh, her mom was, uh, had her back lock up on her, was in a ton of pain. And I said, Mama, go lay hands on your mom. You've got healing in your hands. See, I'm speaking, and she does too, but we're speaking into her. You have healing in your hands. I don't care how old you are, how awkward that prayer is. It is God by his power that moves through you. Amen? God wants us to be the church of Jesus Christ. We're his hands. We're his feet. How will the world know if we don't tell them? How few people are we going to get in these four walls that will come comfortably? But if we go to the world, right, and we love on them out there and show Jesus out there, then they'll come into the house of the Lord and we'll equip them. And by the way, she laid hands on her mama, and it was, she was nervous. She's like, Lord Jesus, you know how kids are. It's all awkward. But she, she prayed prayer of faith. Lord, I pray healing and any inflammation to go. And you know what? Quinn was instantly healed, weren't you? I'm, she's like, oh, my God, like I'm really healed, you know? A child, a 12-year-old child. God wants miracles to flow through your hands. We got to have the courage of God, the faith of God, the boldness of God. Who cares what men has to say? We serve a great big God that is trying to reveal his church to this world, and yet we're living in our little gimme, gimme, gimme. My name is Jimmy. Give me more. Make me feel better. Make me feel good. I need my shot in the arm for the week. No, we have our shot. We have Jesus. We have the anointed one and his anointing. We are to go to the world and give it away. Be distributors of God's love. Distributors of God's power. Amen. 
you want to get excited, do something for Jesus. It will light your world on fire. It will be a trip that you never could go on. Paris won't be good enough. London won't be good enough. The both, none of that will matter. Only Jesus will matter at the end of the day. The Bible says to seek first the kingdom of God, and then everything else is added. So my mission is the world. My mission is the loss. My mission is the hurting. And then I can take this great vacation. Thank you, Jesus. And he'll pay the bill because I'm doing what he's called me to do first here on earth. Come on, somebody. God has called us to live a life that is flourishing. And we need to be saying I'm flourishing, but instead we're saying I'm spiritually dry. This is the church. We need to be saying I'm thriving in my life, but we're saying I'm emotionally withering, depression, and I'm not downing it, but I want to expose something. Why maybe we're not breaking through is because we're not planted in the house of the Lord. We're just coming to church, and we're not really digging deep into his word, digging deep in commitment to follow him, amen? I'm thriving, but I'm, I should be, but I'm emotionally withering. I need to be connected. I'm connected. I've got friends. I can call my sister. I can get on the, the phone with my brothers in the church, and I can talk about anything. That's what we should be saying, but instead I'm relationally barren. Nobody's there for me. I'm all by myself. I have nobody to call. Those are signs of people who are not planted. We're just attending church. Do you see the difference? We should be saying, I'm so fulfilled in my life. I have so much joy. I'm making a difference at work. I'm making a difference in my children's life. I'm making a difference in, in my family's life. It may be just a little, a little nudge, but boy, I know I'm making a difference. But instead, we're still looking for joy. We're still looking for that buzz. What's going to make me happy? What's going to fulfill me? It's going to be a great relationship. That's going to make me happy. That didn't make me happy. It'll be the boats, the cars, the vacations. None of that makes me happy because the only fulfillment comes from being planted in the house of the Lord so that you can flourish in the courts of God's praise. Amen? What you have to realize with a seed is you have a being planted. That word planted means the seed has to be put into the ground so that it can grow. You have to plant a seed into the ground. It has to be planted. A seed can't just be a pretty thing sitting on a shelf in a cute little package. That seed is unfruitful. That seed will produce no life. It has to be put into the ground and planted. Amen. And you have to recognize that your life, you, and you may think it's just little old me. I can't make a difference. Yes, you can. The Bible says that your life can make a difference. You being planted in the kingdom will change someone around you. There's someone around you who is waiting for your testimony, your voice, your encouragement. It's, there's study of leadership. You have a sphere of seven people around you that you can affect. And that person is waiting on your voice. So you have to realize that you are a seed. And you have tremendous potential on the inside of you. God wants you, when you plant a seed, God wants you to grow in the kingdom of God. God wants you to be flourishing in his kingdom. He wants you to multiply. There should be two or three people in the kingdom of God because you're serving Jesus. There should be four, five, and six more because you're serving Jesus. When you are planted, when it's all about the kingdom and not about God, my life is not your own, my own, it is yours. When you really sell out to God, God will give you opportunities to flourish in the kingdom of God. God has potential in you. He wants you to be fruitful. He wants you to be a blessing to other people's lives. But when a seed is unplanted, it has purpose, but it's unfruitful. It has destiny but it lies dormant. So much fruit should be there, but it's unproductive. And we become barren and dissatisfied. See, a seed can only grow when it's planted. And that's what God wants us to do. My first point this morning is, number one, your life is a seed. In order to grow, you need to be planted. We've got to get out of this mentality that I'm just going to go to church to get a good word. We've got to get in this mindset that I'm going to church to grow be changed in the image of Christ Jesus and go and be used by the power of God. In this parable in Matthew uh, 13, it talks about Jesus used the parable of the farmer because they understood farming and he used the sower. And, and the three examples that they used is the farmer went out and he threw seed to the ground and the first seed that he threw out, he said, um, couldn't take root. So the seed went out, it was hard ground, couldn't take root. So what did the birds do? The birds came and stole the seed away. 
and that seed never reached its full potential. The second example was he threw the seeds out, and it went into shallow ground. So it was a little bit of root. There was a, a little bit of sprouting that came out of their life. But what happened? The sun beat down and withered the life of that seed. The third thing was the seeds went out, and some started to grow. They started to see some fruit in their life. They started to see some things happening. But the thorns that were growing, the people around them that had thorns and thistles, began to choke the life out of that living seed, that living uh, growth of that plant. And what does the Bible say? Those are the cares and the worries of life. And can you see the metaphor here of the seeds? God has called our life to be a seed. He's called your life to matter. Some have potential, but they never go anywhere. We're going to go to heaven, amen? You have Jesus, you're going to go to heaven, but God has called you to be fruitful here on earth. God has called you to have the flourishing of his spirit in your life. We don't want to be a seed that just goes somewhere and nobody knows me anymore, nobody cares anymore, and you get pulled alone all by yourself, and that's where the birds, the enemy comes, and they eat you up and destroy you, and so many people aren't in the kingdom of God today because they allow the enemy to come and deceive them. They got offended with the church, got offended with the pastor, got offended with the sheep when none of that had anything to do with anything. We've got to plant ourselves. When your roots grow deep, you're just not on the surface for the enemy to destroy. And I'll show you that in just a minute. The second one is some, they started to grow, but then they fade away. How many people have we had filtered through this church, and they love God, and they love this church, and they love this is the friendliest people ever, and maybe they're here for a year or whatever, and then they're just gone, and we don't know where they went. Why? Because they never took root. They never planted themselves. But there was a third place that Jesus said. He said, I want you to take that seed, and you're going to throw it into good soil. How many know the kingdom of God is the soil that God wants us to pour ourselves into? When you are um, into this good soil, according to this story, the Bible says that when you plant it into good soil, what happens? It becomes a massive blessing. It multiplies 30 times more, 60 times more, 100 times more. Do you see how one life planted in the kingdom of God will multiply the kingdom of God overnight? If every one of us in this church that, that calls this church home, it's, there's probably five, 600 people that attend this church. If everyone reached one person for Jesus, that's not even multiplication. That's just addition. We'd have to build a new sanctuary for our area on this property. Why? Because that's the flourishing of the kingdom of God. It's not about numbers. It's about souls. It's about the loss that is hurting and broken and taking their lives and they're empty. But the church is too busy trying to come in internally and get our needs met instead of go out and be the church. Walk in the empowerment of Jesus Christ. Amen. And this isn't a condemnation message. This is a set you free message. If you wonder why you're struggling, check your roots. Check your roots. Right? How, how connected are you to the programs when we offer men's nights, when we offer women's ministries? This isn't like you need to be attending the events. No, your roots go deeper when you commit to the church. When you commit to know people in the church, I'm not just going to walk through. No, I'm going to commit to know someone. I'm going to make my name known, known so when I'm away or I'm hurting, I have someone to call. Amen. A seed can only grow if it's planted. Number two, going to, going to church isn't the same as being planted. It's a real difference. You can hear the difference in your language. Let me give you an example. And the wonderful thing is I'm not in your house. I don't know what you say. I don't know what goes on in your heart. I'm just trying to expose the devil. Amen. We're going to expose the enemy so that you can find freedom to flourish in the way God's called you to find flourishing. But in, um, there's two different people. One person, they get up on Sunday and go, I wonder if I'm going to go to church today. Weather looks kind of good. Maybe I'll just go do this instead. Or there's this really great restaurant I've been wanting to try. Or this great movie came out. Or your kids may get up and go, hey, are we going to church today? See, that's the believer that's not planted. There's no knowing of what's going to happen. In Hebrews 10.25, the Bible says, gather together even more so as some do 
as you see the day approaching. See, there are some that are committed, but God's saying in the time, I want you all to gather together. Come together as you see the day approaching. When you're planted, it's non-negotiable. When you are really planted in the church, and you may have a Sunday where you're like, take my family on vacation. You know what I'm saying. Right? It's not a condemnation message. You know the heart. But when you are planted in God's house, it's non-negotiable. We go to church every Sunday morning. My kids don't need to ask if we're going. They know we're going to go. And we may go kicking and screaming and fighting and pulling each other's hair out in the back, back of that car. But we are going to church and we're going to be happy today. Amen? You're planted because now you go, this is not a place of worship, right? This identity on the inside of me. I am the church now, amen? I don't go to a church. I am the church. It becomes a part of who I am. It is my posture. You can't take that away from me. When the doors of church are open, my family is there. My family is serving. My family is the last one to leave. And I'm not saying you have to do all of this, but sandwich in there somewhere, amen? Find a place of commitment in the local church because that's how you are planted. Amen. God's church isn't a part of our life. God's church isn't a part of our life. It is our life. Do you see the difference? It is our life. I live every day to be connected to the local church. I live every day to change someone's life. We live every week to come in on Sunday and bless some child back there that will be touched by someone by the power of God. We live to every Sunday for someone's marriage to be restored at this altar ministry, for somebody to be set free. It is my life. And when you are planted, it is your identity. You almost can't wait to get to church the next week. And even if you miss a week and you go on vacation, you're like, can't wait to get back to church. Why? Because I get to go to church. We live in a free America where we can shout Jesus. We can declare his name. We can give from our bank account to build the local church. China, they're hiding. They're meeting in little clubs. They're meeting uh, in Japan. They're making little coffee shops so they can have a, a storefront to sneak the gospel to people. And we live in America and we don't have revival yet. It's because we're too busy trying to look pretty and be in the church instead of go out and get dirty and be the church. Amen. The church is not a place to go. It's not a destination. It's not a building. The Greek word of the church means ecclesia. And it means this in the Greek, a gathering and an assembly. See, God has called the church together. It's okay to listen to a good podcast. I listen to teachings all week long. You know, I'll listen to uh, online things all the time, build my faith during the week. But the Bible says my church is to come together, being planted together. It's like having a relationship with your children or someone that you know or, or your husband or wife, and all you do is text each other. And all you do is leave voicemails for each other. At some point, you're going to be like, I want my whole family together in my house. If you have children, I want all of my children around the dinner table at some point because I want to gather. I want them close to me. I don't want to have a relationship that's distant. That's not real. I want to bring them together. God has called the church to come together. There's power in unity. If one will put 1,000 to flight, two shall put 10,000 to flight. Imagine the kingdom of God coming together. I was talking with someone last week and I said, the church is so powerful if we could get unified. We can change the government. We can change laws. We can change everything if we come together in unity. But we're too busy disagreeing, arguing, no unity in the kingdom of God. Listen, when Duck Dynasty went off the air because he, they told him, you couldn't say Jesus on the, on the network. And he said, well, if I can't say Jesus, I'm not on your network. And he hung it up. And, you know, they took him off the air for two days, and the Christians had a fit. In two days, they changed the network's mind, and he was back on the air. That's the power of the church. We can change the atmosphere of our city, our nation, our world when we come together. What? To lift up the name of Jesus. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Forget our philosophies. Forget our, our ways of thinking and all our religious differences and just lift up Jesus. 
Let me tell you what Jesus did for me. I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together, but this is what Jesus did for me. Let me pray for you. You want to receive Jesus, don't you? And then when you're done, you say, you're going to speak in tongues right now. I don't know what it is. I don't care. You're going to speak in tongues anyway. I went down here with our teenagers one by one. I said, are you born again? Yes. Do you speak in tongues? No. Okay, you're going to write right now. Four of them spoke in tongues Wednesday night. Take your authority. They're hungry. They're hungry for power. They're hungry for God. The world is thirsting, and we're throwing them cool church at them. I just talked to my parents this morning. Some church just put a, a golfing thing in the lobby of their church so people who like to golf may come to church. Where have we gotten in the kingdom of God? And I'm not judging it because they really feel it's a tool and maybe it will bring in the lost. But it's the power of God that sets people free. And if the church would get on fire, we wouldn't have to do little this and that's and programs to bring in the lost. We would go out and get them and bring them in. Amen. God's called the church to come together. That word ek of the first part of ek means out. Klesia is from the word kaleo, which means um, called. The church is ecclesia, the called out ones. He's calling us out to come together. He's calling us from our homes, from our jobs, and from the world to come together in unity. Why do we gather together in the church? We gather together to be unified. We come together to worship and honor our God. Amen. We gather together to corporately hear the word of God. We gather together to use our gifts to pray for other people. We gather together to grow and to mature spiritually. But when all that is done and we are strengthened, it's not what happens inside the church. Now that we're strengthened believers, we have to turn and go and be the church of God. Go into the world, not continue to consume what I can have, but Lord, strengthen me so that I can go and do what? Spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Bible says he who wins souls is wise. Wise. We are planted. When we are planted, we are not just spiritual consumers. The church does not exist for the believer. And we've got it so mixed up. It's a place that we feel we need to feed the believers. And no, our mission statement is to equip the saints for the working of the ministry. There's a movement of God coming to this nation. There's a revival of God, and we need to be ready. And that's why the Lord wants me to challenge this church and challenge us as believers, amen, to be ready for what he's called us to do in our life. Oh, let me keep on going here. When you are serving God, serving in the church, loving God, you now become a part of a family. Amen. And your roots go deeper as you are committed to the local church. I'm trying to skip some stuff and I'm trying to decide what to skip because it's all so good. But your roots go deeper and your life's not perfect. But when they go deeper, the storms of life come, and because your roots are deep, you won't be moved. When tragedy comes because you're connected to the church, you won't be destroyed. Why? Because you're planted in a safe place, a place that will protect you and love you, a pastor that is committed to hear God's voice and follow him and stay true to the unadulterated word of God. And that's a safe place, amen? I want us to open up to Jeremiah 17, 8. I want you to know what happens when you are planted. Jeremiah 17, 8. Number one is your roots grow deep, and you don't have to put that up, sweetie. Your roots grow deep when you are planted. They are like trees planted along a riverbed with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. See, life is going to happen. Disappointment's going to happen. But when you let the roots of your life go deep into the church, the kingdom, what happens? You tap into the river and the life source of God. You've got a source underground that is different than what is happening above. What is happening below is supernatural than what is happening above. So when it gets hot, I'm good. When it gets discouraging, I'm good. When somebody fails me, I know God will never fail me. When the church disappoints me, I know God will never disappoint me. Why? Because I'm connected to a vine, not to man. I'm not connected to a program. I'm not connected to a hot church. I am connected and rooted to the house of God. 
And my roots are going to go deep. My kids are never going to fall away from God. My ch ch grandchildren are going to serve God. We're going to serve God all the days of my life because I'm going to do what the word says I'm going to do. I'm going to plant myself in God's, heart, in God's house. You're connected to a source that is greater than any problem that's happening on the surface. Amen. I want to share this example with you. Um, I studied out the, the redwood trees. Say that 10 times fast. Redwood trees. And if you study out the Redwood National Park, these trees are some of the largest living trees on earth. Has anybody ever been there before? I haven't been. I really want to go, especially after studying this. But one tree can grow, one, 30-story buildings high. One tree. And that one tree will grow as wide as a three-story building. So powerful. So how do those trees maintain that height without falling down? Well, as that tree is growing, the root system of that one tree grows down, but then it grows laterally over 100 to 150 feet this way. And then the other tree that's growing up 30 stories high, that root's down, growing 100 to 150 feet this way. And what's happening with the roots? They're being connected. And they're intertwining with each other. And there's a support system going on underneath that cannot destroy what is going above. Do you see why God wants us connected as believers? Why he wants relationships and friendships? Because when we are together, we cannot fail. We cannot be deceived by the enemy. You're not going to get away very far if you try to get away. You're going to probably get an inbox on Facebook, a little text. Somebody's connected to you that cares when you're not there. And whoever you win and bring in, you're bringing them in to find their root system. So when you're not looking, somebody else has them, and they're encouraging them, they're loving them, they're maturing them, so they can be who God's called them to be. And you will rise to heights. You'll never rise alone if you don't get plugged into the kingdom of God. Amen. Planet. Isn't this exciting? There's a support system. We need each other. You're going to face opposition in life. Somebody say amen. You already are. You're going to face trials, right? You're going to face doubts and struggles in your life. There's only one person who doesn't care if you're planted, and that's the devil. Because the devil wants to get you alone and isolated. And if he can get you all by yourself, he will wreak havoc on you. He will deceive you. He will discourage you. How many have ever been there before? where you find yourself all alone. I'll tell you, in a body of Christ, you'll never be alone. You'll probably be bugged so much, you'll get offended. I've had people get mad because the church called and see how they were. Well, we care. We care enough to find out where you are, amen? I know I've seen just in pastoring, and many of you have, so many people in the church that went through a tragedy, and the church was able to be there for them, love them, give them food. We've given cars away. We've been there in tragedies and, I'm, and deaths and things that just could take the life out of some people. And I thought, where would they be if they didn't have the church? Where would they be if they didn't have that support system to encourage and lift up and to stand with them? Amen. Can you see the importance of the local church? All right, number two, really quick, your roots produce fruit. You should be a fruit bearer, amen. In Jeremiah 17, 8, it says this, with roots that reach deep into the water, such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Listen to this, their leaves shall stay green and they'll never stop producing fruit. No matter what comes at you, you still have to produce fruit in your life. No matter what heat or triary fire or drought that happens. And Galatians talks about the fruits of the spirit. So when you are planted and your roots are down deep, what happens is you now produce the fruit. You flourish, which means what? I have the fruit of love in my life. Even though in circumstances I should hate, I should have offense, but because I'm rooted, I can now exercise the love of God in my life. I can exercise joy when depression, when, when betrayal and all that there, I still have the fruit of joy. People think I'm crazy. Why am I still praising Jesus? I don't know. I just got the fruit of the Spirit. I just love Jesus. I know greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I got a church that loved me back to life and pointed me to Jesus and made me in the image of Christ Jesus. I still have peace. I should have lost my mind. I still have patience and should have given up, but I didn't do it. Amen. I can be kind and gentle and faithful, and I can have self-control. Why? Because I'm connected to the spiritual vine 
of Christ Jesus. And guess what? That fruit is not just for you to experience. When you experience it, now you give that fruit away. Your, what happens now? Your love blesses someone else. Was she loved unconditionally when she should have hated them? What's going on with her? Your joy is contagious. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You walk into your office and there's this aura of happiness. People are like, I don't like her because she's just too happy. Well, let me tell you why. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Amen. Your peace is attractive. Our government may be going crazy. There may be states going into debt. None of that matters because I have the peace that passes all understanding, and my peace is attractive to the world, and they want to know, how do you have peace? Amen? Your faithfulness builds relationships. You never know who you are to be connected in this church that may save their life. You never know whose story you need to hear to rescue them from a fiery pit. A betrayal, amen. Doesn't it make church different? Then I come in here, gimme, gimme, gimme. I need to feel good. And, and yeah, but no. <laughs> That's what our flesh wants. How can you make a difference to someone else that walks through these doors? You think God will bring in women that aren't going to dress risque, that come from the streets? We're going to welcome them and love them unconditionally? Somebody that comes in as a drug addict. We had a, a, a guy that came in so drunk. He's in this corner over here, so drunk. And, you know, we're eyeing him or whatever. And I'm like, I'm glad he's sitting right there. Because I said, God, let your power touch him. Let your anointing sober him up by the Holy Spirit. Give his life to Jesus. Get him off the streets. That's what the church is about. It's not about having a perfect little pretty church. Amen. My dad always said the sheep stink in the stall. Sheep stink in the stall. Isn't that the truth? God wants us to be doers in the kingdom. Amen. Instead of being prayed for, let's pray for someone. Amen. Give a word of encouragement. When you start doing something to change someone's life, it will be like a buzz that you've never received before. It will set you on fire to something that you never knew. And then all of a sudden you'll be like, I have a family now. I belong somewhere. Why are the gangs so strong? Because they have a family. They take these boys who raised themselves or girls, had no fathers, no parenting, and they found a community, and they have a family, and they will to the death stay committed. They will kill for each other. Why? Because they found a family, and that's what God wants us to do as believers. Find a family. We're all different. We have different personalities, different temperaments. Give grace for one another. Thank God we're all different. You don't want a lot of Barb Pruitts running around. Trust me can only take so much of this, amen? <laughs> Gotta have some plethora of other stuff. <laughs> Let me close with this. I would really love for our church to have an open door to our lives, to your life. I would love for you to open the door of your life to people in your world. I know when my dad and mom first got saved, they got so filled with the Holy Spirit, loved Jesus so much that they used to have bring your, BYOB, bring your own bottle to their house. They had I, matter of fact, I found a picture of their bar. I might show it one day. They had a bar in their basement, had parties every weekend. And then my dad got saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. My mom got saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. And they passed out an advertisement, BYOB. But they didn't know this time it was bring your own Bible. And they did a sneak attack. And they let all those people thinking they're going to come and drink. And my dad pulled out his Bible and said, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. He didn't know a lot of word. All he knew was what Jesus did for him. And he knew the power of the Holy Spirit. And they planted, planted almost 400 people in their church. That's a church, people. They planted a church in a church. Why? Because one couple that said, I'm going to be planted in the house of God. I'm going to know my purpose, why I'm here on earth. And I'm, they had prostitutes walk in their basement, drug addicts walk in their basement, homosexuals walk in their basement. They had people that were going through challenges in their life, and they were able to love them to life. See, the power of God set them free in their life. And because of that, the fruit remained. They flourished and flourished. And guess what? My dad had both. My dad had cars. My dad had a nice house. But he flourished in the house of God. God wants us to make a difference. Amen. And I want to encourage you, open up your heart to your friends. Open up your heart to those who are around you. If you got to go on a coffee date, start taking them on a coffee date. 
If you got to open up your home and you couples want to invite a couple couples over, not church people, we already have it. Invite unchurched to your home. Bring them in. Break open the Bible. Share scripture. Share what Jesus did for you. Give them the opportunity to give their life to Jesus. Just say, can I pray for you? Start discipling those people right in your home. And then what are you going to do? You're going to bring them into the church. And then what's going to happen? They're going to grow and mature. They're going to begin to flourish. And they're going to go and bring people into the church. Amen. And then they're going to go. And then we're building the church on the principle of God's word to go share the good news. You want a church that is sustainable? It's a church who's winning souls. You want a church that is happy? It's a church that's winning souls. Amen. And using the power of God. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Let me get you all out of here. Uh, Pastor Selu, come on up. All the guys that are with Pastor Selu, young men, come on up to the platform. Come on up. Um, those who may not know, come on up, all you guys, up on the stage. Don't be shy. Do you want to share it really quick? Here, you guys line up right here in the, in the front. Right here in the front. Josiah, go ahead. Scoot down. Stop right there. Stop. Space it out. Turn around. Huh? Okay. Sorry. If you guys can just take a seat just for a minute, please. Sorry. Um. Excuse me. blessed because we have <clears throat> we have real men in this church you know and um, not all of us uh, um, are blessed with a father it's been emotional for me because what Pastor Barbara is preaching and teaching coincides with what's going on here and um, if you take a man out of any situation that God has planned, it's like taking Jesus out of the church. And I believe nowadays more than ever, men are losing their identity. This is serious. Serious. Again, if you take a man out of God's plan, it's like taking Jesus out of the church. And more than ever, these kids need to know, or these boys, or these men that we are raising, excuse me, they need to know their true identity. So for the past month, every Sunday, they show up at 7 in the morning, and they're praying for you. And we have these great men that are leading them and teaching them. And here's the thing, we don't control them. What we do is we lead them to all truth and righteousness. Because of this, we don't know who's going to be the next Billy Graham. We don't know what God is going to do, you know. And we have a code of ethics. And our code of ethics is this, to love, honor, and respect. And our code of ethics goes something like this, that I am a man of God created in the image and the likeness of, of him. And I, I have a purpose. And my purpose is to serve God and man with all my heart with all my mind and soul and to love God and people with honor and respect you know some of these boys don't have fathers but you know what if you're sitting there and you're a man of God you're a father to these boys you know and this just just to wrap it all up with what Pastor Barb preached today you know being planted in the house it's time really like we are the church and many of us, and I've been in that boat where I come and sit down. I want my little, you know, be one shot so I can go back to the world and do my thing. But when you're coming here and, these, and, 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 and men are losing their identity, you know, you need to find your identity. Truly find your identity so you'll be able to raise up the next generation. And that's the legacy that we, we want to hold in this generation. 
And it's, it's hard because right off the bat, I'm going to tell you, for all the single mothers out there or the women that have been hurt by men, from me to you, I apologize. I apologize. I don't blame women. I don't ever blame a woman. Adam had his responsibility was to make sure that Eve did her part. And Eve was there to, to be a helper to, to Adam. But it wasn't until Adam ate the fruit is when they fell into to sin. So never blame the woman. And I, I get it. There's some Jezebels out there. But never blame the woman. All right? And it's our responsibility to raise these men in God's way and his righteousness. And you'll see the church. You'll see everybody else flourish. But with that being said, uh, Nate, come up here. So Nate's our little spokesman. Love it. Um, Blake was on uh, vacation, so Blake didn't get the memo, but he's, he's our man, you know, he's our man. So, I, you know, through, through this, yesterday we went, uh, we all went, got our haircuts, you know, we kind of did the girly thing. We all went shopping, you know, um, you know, but we had video games, we had fun, you know. And I want you, when you see these, these young men here and these boys every Sunday, first of the Sunday, we're going to do our Sunday's best. And you guys bless them, talk to them, show them love, you know, because they are in the house of God. And I'm encouraging all the men that are in the house of God, rise up, rise up, because this generation is looking at you, you know, right? I don't, no condemnation. I love you guys. I'm just being real. Ready, Nate? So uh, I just got asked to say a few words of what I thought uh, a man of God, a young man of God was. And I spent some time writing down a few things in my notes. And I got up here and I kind of thought a little cliche. <laughs> um, being a man of God isn't just about coming to church and treating everyone with kindness, it's about integrity. It's about going back to that third grade poster, it's integrity is what you do when no one's looking. But really it's what you do when you're alone with just God and you. And everyone has struggles with keeping themselves accountable. And I believe it is James 5, 16 and um, I don't remember the exact verse, but it says something along the lines of confide in one another. And I feel we've forgotten that you don't only have to confide in each other, you confide in God. It's like when you tell your friend you did something wrong and it's very easy. It's, you find comfort and you try and tell your parent and it becomes a lot more difficult. <laughs> and I've confided with these young men up here. I've grown up with a lot of these guys, and it's easy to talk to them. And I think my generation just needs to realize that you need to confide in your Heavenly Father. Thank you. Uh, okay, men, take a bow. Thank you. Awesome. Amen. Good job. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for sticking around later to guys today, guys. We had so many wonderful things. Wasn't church just amazing today? From our babies to our fine young men. So let me bless you and release you. Father, I thank you this morning for this amazing church and what you're doing in amazing people. Send them with joy and peace and comfort, knowing that you're the great I am. Father, we love you and celebrate you. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. Love you all. God bless you. Wednesday, 7 o'clock or Sunday next week. Love you.